this. Right now, I'm joined by Phil Ferguson, uh, Sarah Martin, and John Moore. Morena to you all. Good morning, everyone. Morena. Morena, indeed. Right, yo. Uh, we were supposed to know who was in government today. The Governor General would have been out there doing their thing, signing people in, uh, and now we're going to wait a little bit longer. But there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, one more week. Um, but, you know, the board's busy. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. New yeah. Zealand First Board is very busy. They're busy. And very mysterious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, who is on the board? What, what are they up to? Um, How dare you ask that question, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised that he's actually going to the board. I thought he was the board. Or maybe oh, he's just bored. Maybe he is. Maybe he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we don't know. So, I oh, mean... Winnie. But is it that bad to really wait... John? No, I don't think it's that bad to really wait. Um, however, I think uh, lots of criticisms can be made of Winston Peters that he's not being uh, upfront and, and transparent about the whole process that New Zealand Face is going through and making a decision on which party they'll support. Um, and, and even going to the length of not um, um, discussing who's on this board, mm. this New Zealand First board, um, which, yeah, I think is, is quite shocking. Sure, New Zealand First is a private organisation. They can say what they like about their members and uh, who their leadership is, but they're making a very important decision that will affect all of our lives, so I think they need to be a lot more transparent. All right, so we need to know who's there, you reckon. Um, and their criteria for making a decision of what party they'll support. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess the criteria is whatever they're going to get, right? Yes, or whatever Winston Peters is going to get. So uh, with New Zealand First is quite unusual and very much is dominated by one single leader. Um, possibly the comparison to the early New Labour Party alliance uh, with Jim Anderton with his dominance, but even yeah. still I think uh, there's a lot more democracy and, and fluidity within the alliance and New Labour <laughs> compared with New Zealand first. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but, you know, uh, Sarah, we, we never saw, um, you know, the ACT Party or uh, United Future say, right, we're going off to the board now. Uh, they'd just be like, it would just be done or whoever is the leader of ACT at the time, there's been many, um, say, um, right, I'm going to go there. Or they basically had it sewed up before um, we even got to this point. Ah, well, I mean, I, I don't think there's any problem with New Zealand First having um, a democratic process around deciding which, which, you know, which party to support and around endorsing any coalition agreement. I don't think that's, that's problematic. I think, as John says, it's the um, lack of transparency around that that is more troubling. Um, in terms of Acts and United Future, I mean, they weren't really properly functioning parties, really. Uh, you know, or well, United Future wasn't, certainly Acts... Um, well, it's probably got some minimal party functioning, but they were just keen to get into bed with National no matter what happened. So it's a slightly different story there. But, you know, I, I think it's fair enough that the party members get, in some form, get to um, agree with what is it, you know, with what, what the party leaders and the party, the parliamentarians have signed up. But, um, you know, I think the whole thing is being done in a very um, closeted way, which isn't helpful to democracy, really. And, but I think you have to put some of the responsibility for that with National and Labour. You know, they don't, they, there's no requirement for them to go along with this. And we're all kind of being held a bit ransom to New Zealand first. And uh, I think that's because everyone's slightly scared of Winston Peters, which isn't a particularly healthy <laughs> relationship to be in. But, you know, National and Labour could play it differently if they wanted to. They're all scared of upsetting him and losing the opportunity yeah. to be in government, I suppose. But they could demand a lot more um, 
a transparency and a lot more openness about it and, and lead the way. They could play things differently. But the, the, you know, they'd probably have to come out and, um, together on that uh, to do yeah, so. Otherwise, they could, they would one of them could lead the Yeah. I yeah. mean, that's the thing. Either they come out together and have a united approach to it or one of them risks not been in government. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. And National so, Labor um, could have done that. They could have uh, met beforehand and, and come up with a, a open and transparent agreement of how they will deal with negotiations and with New Zealand First. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the media and, and, and um, social feeds? I mean, uh, every time um, Winston puts a delay on or something like that, you get people over the internet saying he is holding us to ransom. And, you know, I've had to have, I've, I've had arguments on the internet in the last week with people saying, oh, the economy's in trouble because we don't have a government yet. Uh, it's hurting, it's hurting uh, importers, exporters and the average person out there. But that's simply not true. We've got a caretaker government that's in place. Maybe there's some people that are going to sit back and wait before they buy a house for a couple of weeks but it, it, um, you t- th- this is always the case no matter what uh, you always have a caretaker government for at least a, a week mm. uh, after the election even under first past the post the old system yeah exactly exactly so it's it, it's not doing anything the only thing they can't do is put in big policy in place that, yeah no, that's it, correct and it's um, being a proportional system this is just how things work yeah it's um you know we've we've taken uh, a european model as opposed to the old british model of of how to decide uh who will be the government and that that means that um there have to be negotiation talks. There, yeah. there, there has to be a coalition formed for there to be a government. Uh, but is the media being irresponsible, Sarah, in the way they're handling this? Um, I mean, the commentary I'm, I'm looking at is more that that the media is is demanding more information, which I think is fair enough and good on them. Uh, yeah, is, is there a pressure to hurry? There is slightly, and I agree with you that you know democracy takes time, and we've got to do it well. And it does actually everything is ca- carrying on as normal, as you say. We've got a caretaker government. I can't see calamity happening. Um, yeah, I think there is a bit of impatience, but that, that, that could just be human nature. Yeah, I think it's human nature. I mean, because the dollar's not dr- the dollar's not dropping dramat- uh, dramatically. The NZX fifty is uh, on an upward scale. I mean, nothing's. Nothing's nothing's happening, and I find it bizarre the lack of time that New Zealand First is actually taking to make a decision of what, which one of the two parties they'll support. Um, it seems to be taking the matter not seriously, and that they're just giving themselves a week uh, to decide um, what party they're going to put in power to be mm. to be the leading party. And I I would find it very hard to believe that they could actually thrash out and have a serious talk about policy, about ministerial mm. positions, etc., within that very short time frame. That's right, you're ruling a nation, mm. you know, you take your time. Uh, but no Greens at the table. Is that a sign um, that they won't get much uh, if the deal goes Labour's way? Because, um, I mean, even if Labour is talking to the Greens about what Winston's saying, if, with, when they're not having a serious chat with Winston themselves, or, you know, um, that, that, that is not a real good sign for the Greens. No, it's no. not. No. <laughs> you go on, Sarah. Uh, well, I mean, I think the Greens are in a very difficult position um, because, on the one hand, you know, they they haven't got a strong electoral mandate right now, so they, you know, I mean, they didn't do as well as they have in previous elections, um, so they're not in a strong negotiating position. But on the other hand, they don't want to get so um, subsumed by a coalition agreement that 
they're just going along with that they they lose you know they lose even more so I think they're in a very difficult position I, I suspect that they'll only um, play you know they'll only play hardball if the policies that New Zealand first and labor if it was were putting forward as a potential coalition were very um, antithetical to them but I suspect suspect they wouldn't be. I mean, I suspect there's quite a lot of policy commonality between Labour and New Zealand First and Greens, but um, I can't see them sticking, you know, putting up a stink unless, unless there's some really radical things in there that they disagree with. Because, I mean, the Greens could easily turn around, like, when, when the final deal's done and Winston gets what he wants, the Greens could just turn around and say, actually, no. Yeah, I, 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 I think the Greens are actually in a much stronger position, because Labour and New Zealand First can't actually form a coalition government, mm-hmm. you know, numerically. Well, I mean, they can, but it would be a minority government. Yeah. So they actually need the Greens, yeah. you know, whereas National doesn't. National and New Zealand First can form a government by themselves. Yeah. And so the Greens are in quite a position to extract concessions from Labour, if they so, so chose to, around things like social welfare benefits, mm-hmm. um, the minimum wage, and the living wage, various various other things. I think they're in quite a strong position. Provide you know, and of course, as soon as the election arrived, that agreement between Labour and the Greens was over. In fact, I would say that Labour basically <laughs> kind of screwed over the Greens yes. over the maturity thing. That that was a, a a useful piece of of paper for Labour, but it was never kind of more than more than that. Um, so I hope that the Greens don't actually just get hooked into to tailing along behind. You know, it, it would be better for them to play to play hardball, but mm. I don't know whether they're capable of but that. But they kind of snook at themselves by campaigning yeah. for a change of government. Yes. And yeah. so they're, they're sort of um, tied in uh, to, to supporting uh, a Labour-centred government, whatever. Uh, whatever the deal is between New Zealand First and Labour, um, it would be very hard for them to not support, say, if New Zealand First does go with Labour, it would be very hard for for the Greens not to support um, that government in terms of confidence and supply um, because of the whole way they projected their campaign before the election. Um, I think they would have been better before the election to say um, uh, we'll only support a a government on this basis and list a, a number of conditions for them supporting a government in any form, whether it's confidence supply, whether it's a formal coalition agreement, etc. Um, yeah, um, Labor's really able to take the piss towards I, the Greens. I think, uh, yeah, I, th- I think in terms of parliamentary politics, they would have been better doing that. But they can say, well, we wanted a change of government, and that just didn't mean a change of whose whose bums are parked in, in the cabinet yeah, positions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It means actually a change of policy. And so we, and so a change of government means changes in relation to social, you know, to yeah. policy. Yeah. And I think, yeah, they they could they could push that. And I mean, politicians change their minds all the time. Yeah. I think, yeah. I mean, I think the Greens can't really turn around and go and go into coalition. Go into coalition. <laughs> My seat just collapsed. Could we see? Could we see um, Winston come out and say, "Look, I'm going with Labour. I'm going to go with Labour," and then the Greens going, "Right now, it's our time to make some deals." 
He's made up his mind, and now it's time for us to play this game. Yeah, that's a possibility. I, I, I guess, um, even though I, I think uh, New Zealand First uh, will get a lot more policy concessions from by going with Labour, I just the fact that they haven't had any discussions with the Greens at all on, in a, on a formal basis to me indicates that they will be going with National, and yeah, that, that the Greens have been cut out of the, the deal already. Mm-hmm. It just seems bizarre to me that uh, New Zealand First is saying... Oh, we could go with Labour, we could go with National, we haven't made a decision yet. Yet they haven't talked to a party that will could determine whether Labour can form a, a government or not. Because New Zealand First and Labour just can't um, do it on their own. They don't have the numbers. Mm. And they've already got one seat less than New Zealand First. Yeah, so the Greens got 6.3% of the party vote, New Zealand First got 7.2%. Um, yeah, it's all the, the all the focus is on New Zealand first, and and they're able to sort of push themselves around in these negotiations. But mm-hmm. yeah, as Phil said, um, yeah, the Greens have that ability to be a lot more pushy, a lot more upfront. But I guess they're just scared. They're scared. Yeah. They don't want to be held responsible for not having a change of government. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, that's right. I mean, <laughs> if Greens don't go along with, with what they with what Labour and New Zealand First have agreed. Um, then there's a national government, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, so, uh, you know, the Greens are not in, a, in an easy position, and, and I don't think their supporters would, would welcome them, with, you know, putting in a national government again. I imagine. So I don't, I don't think they do have many choices, and my suspicion, I don't know, but my suspicion is that Labour is talking to the Greens along the way and, and keeping them safe. And I wonder what would happen if, if he did go with Labour and then the Greens pulled out their support and then, like... Then he would have to go back to national, mm. or who would have a minority government then? Well, you said Peters wants a guarantee from the Greens that he he would that they would support um, a Labour-led government if, if New Zealand First goes with Labour. Mm. But in fact, the Greens can't do that because they have to have um, a caucus. Um, which decides, yeah. uh, which votes on um, well, whether they will support Labour or not. It, it can't just be determined by the um, parliamentary well, leadership. And, and that's what um, New Zealand First is doing right now themselves. Um, mm. In a way. All right, MMP, is it, is it good? The way it's working for us now, is it working properly? Uh, other things we need to do, is it time to reduce the threshold to, say, 3%? And then we'll get a country that's used to having multiple parties, not just two, but maybe three or four uh, or, or five that have um, more than just one MP could have two three um, you know so you could have small parties that prob- that make up you know maybe like 15 of the MPs mm. 20 of the MPs um, you know would that be better for us and would we be doing it right are we doing MMP correct at the moment I think it's it's, it's working in the sense that um, people's uh, votes uh, are being reflected in Parliament. So if if 10% of people are supporting a particular party, that's being reflected in Parliament. Um, It's not working in terms of there being a diversity of views and parties uh, within Parliament. That um, since MMP was first formed, um, yeah, the the minor parties, for various reasons, have just been pushed out of the equation. uh, And a number of of the minor parties have actually completely collapsed and died. So we can go back to the Alliance, uh, which was was the major third party, you know, in New Zealand at one stage, even polling higher than Labour at at one stage. the 90s, um, ACT is pretty much moribund, uh, uh, um, United Future has died, and etc, um, etc. Et so 
one argument is that we just need to get rid of this 5% threshold or reduce it mm-hmm. uh, as a way to bring in more minor parties. And it would also, in terms of people's... Um, I guess the psychology of voting, that people would think, okay, it's not a wasted vote if, if um, I vote for a minor party, because regardless of if it gets 1%, 2%, 3%, mm-hmm. uh, I, I get my voice heard in Parliament, whereas at the moment, if a party gets 4.9%, for example, 4, um, it it's, doesn't get any representation in terms of MPs in Parliament because it hasn't met that 5% threshold. Mm-hmm. And you could have a couple of parties below 5% whose votes might add up to 10% of the electorate. Yeah. And yet they're not represented at all. And you could have another party that gets hardly any party votes but manages or has a seat like Epsom handed to it mm-hmm. and they're represented in, in Parliament. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think you either have to get rid of the threshold. So there's 120 seats. So if you get 120th of the party vote, you get a seat. And if you get a 60th, you get two seats. Mm-hmm. Or switch to a single transferable vote where you have multi um, seat constituencies. So yeah. you divide the country up into however many constituencies, and you might have a larger a larger parliament. I mean, the south of Ireland has roughly the same population of New Zealand, and they have 166 seats in their mm-hmm. parliament. I think they have 43 electorates, and some of them elect three members of parliament, and some elect four, and some elect five, depending on you know how the boundaries are, yeah, and yeah. so on. And so you have all kinds of people in the parliament there, including a lot of independents, mm. you know, who might stand on a local issue, a local. Um, hospital is being closed and they might stand in a local seat in opposition to that and, and they, they can get elected. So you have a much more wide representation of views in that parliament mm-hmm. um, than in New Zealand. And, and I mean it's certainly more democratic than the MMP system that we have here. So do they have a lot of uh, confidence and supply deals within that parliament? Uh, instead of formal coalitions. Well, historically, what you've had, what you had was one um, party which was able to form single-party governments because mm. it was so, it was just so popular. Yeah. And then you had the second and third party who usually went into coalition together, sometimes with other smaller parties. More recently, the party that was the biggest party has half collaped. Mm-hmm. And so the, se- and the second party has become the biggest party, but it's not dominant. And so you have coalitions. And at present, you have a minority government supported by um, one of the smaller parties um, and a load of independents. Yeah. And those negotiations, you know, they take, they go on <laughs> far longer than a couple of weeks in New Zealand and nobody thinks anything of it. See, one of the problems I have is you've got people like that airhead Mike Hoskins going on about stability and various other people, but what about democracy? Yeah, yeah. You know, there's all these people who think that stability is actually more important than democracy, and it's not like you have a load of instability in politics in the south of Ireland anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, once again, what's two weeks uh, when it comes to three years? Um, but, Sarah, the, 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 um, you know, the government keeps telling us, and the media definitely keeps telling us, that we're not intelligent enough for single transferable votes. <laughs> <laughs> we, it's too confusing. It's too confusing. But we use it in Dunedin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, and they. Uh, 
Australia. Are there any other local councils, local authorities that use it? Yeah, I think there might. Yeah, there, there's a few, and yeah. no one has trouble there. You just take who you like and who your second is and who your third is. And, yeah. and oh, political scientists do say that comparing, say, a proportional system like MMP and STV, that our system is more proportional in terms of uh, a party-based system, that in terms of that, you know, the percentage of votes that a, a party get is reflected uh, um, more equally in Parliament with MMP, with the type of proportional system we have. But I don't think that's the case, because if you look at the south of Ireland, you've got parties that have several seats in Parliament, like there's two, two small um, Marxist parties, and they each have three members of parliament. Well, together they get about, so they have six members out of 166, yeah. 165 of whom are elected. Now, altogether they get probably three to three and a half percent of the party vote. So in an MMP situation, they wouldn't get represented at all. Mm-hmm. And yet they get tens of thousands of votes. Yeah. In an MMP yeah. situation without a threshold. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. the problem with our version of MMP, yes, that there yeah. is a threshold. Um, and the reason why they, uh, I mean, we've taken the German system, the, yeah. uh, um, pretty much uh, uh, taken it exactly as it operates in Germany. The reason they have that threshold is Germany is because of the whole legacy of Nazism and and. And it was uh, a direct. Um, um, uh, it was directly put into place that threshold to keep out so-called radical parties. Yeah. Um, we don't have that legacy in New Zealand, obviously. And yeah, I think it, it, it's it's undemocratic to put in a threshold to actually deliberately prevent certain uh, more fringe parties or so-called radical parties from from actually being able to be represented in mm-hmm. in Parliament. Be interesting to see uh, if that happens. If we did drop the threshold, uh, if factions within the National Party or the Labour Party actually split away from the main group to form other smaller parties, um, you know, you could get a mm. Blue Greens party. Mm. You, you, yeah. Yeah, you know, that would be really interesting. And I think see. that would be a good thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, this whole idea of having a broad church is very problematic, and in, in that contrasting views or uh, are contained within one political unit, one political party, and those views might actually not really go together at all. Mm. Mm, and it just mm. ends up being that one faction within that party actually dominates the ideology of that party. So it's actually, in terms of offering a choice to the electorate, we're better if, say, Labour split along versus various lines, National split along various lines, and we have more ideological diversity out there. Yeah. 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 I mean, the South of Ireland, you've got about seven or eight parties in the Parliament, mm-hmm. plus loads of independents. Yeah. I mean, at one point, I think they had like 24 independents. Even Australia has, has yeah. several, several independents. Independents, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Alright, well, we're running time. I have to leave it there. Uh, thank you all for joining me this morning. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Sarah, up there in Wellington, mm-hmm. and uh, you two chaps here in Autopote. And uh, we'll be back next week, and maybe we'll find out who's in... We'll know. Yes. We might not even know by <laughs> then, but that's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Everything just keeps on trucking. Alright.